for all your medical care and needs. Ask our doctors. Dr. Johan de Witt is the founder of the Dermatology and Skin Cancer Institute. He joins us on the line this morning. Dr. de Witt, good morning to you. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Hi, good morning, Cathy, and good morning to your listeners. So we're focusing on melanoma this morning, but I just wanted to check in as far as definitions are concerned, because I, I did come across the fact that, you know, melanoma, skin cancer sometimes is used sort of interchangeably. Uh, are they the same thing? You as the expert can help us understand this better. Yes. So now these different types of skin cancer. Um, melanoma, as you rightly say, is the more serious one, but we also deal with other types of skin cancers that that are not as dangerous as melanoma and that can be treated, uh, let's say, much easier. So uh, I think melanoma is a, is a definite entity on its own and, and skin cancer is more the umbrella term that then refers to all types of cancer that can occur in the skin. But melanoma is really the one that, um, yeah, that is the more serious one as it can spread to other parts of the body and can eventually be, be fatal. Thanks for that uh, clarity there, uh, Dr. Devet. When it comes then to melanoma, does it progress from sort of other types of skin cancer? And you can explain it uh, to me in, in sort of the various stages that a patient would perhaps go through from the point of the first symptoms that they begin to realize that, uh, you know, maybe skin cancer related to then the point of diagnosis of melanoma. Yes. So, no, um, melanoma does, does not, uh, you know, come from other types of skin cancer. So it's a unique cancer that basically starts in the top layer of the skin, the epidermis, the very thin layer of the skin uh, where the melanocytes <clears throat> are, are sort of uh, found. The melanocytes are cells that provide pigment to the skin. So these are the cells that provide color to the skin. And usually it's damaged caused by solar UV radiation. So sun damage that will cause damage to these cells that then will cause, will, will, will cause uh, skin cancer to develop. The first stages will be for these melanocytes to, or these cancerous melanocytes to grow in this top layer of the skin. And, and, and this will be the very early stages of the cancer. And this will be the best time to diagnose it and to treat it. Once it starts infiltrating a little deeper into the next layer of the skin, it can make contact with blood vessels and lymphatic vessels. And that is when these cancer cells can then spread to lymph nodes or to other organs. So from a dermatologist perspective, we want to diagnose melanoma while it is still just contained in this very superficial layer of the skin, because then it is very easily treatable. From a patient's perspective, normally um, they will notice that there may be a new pigmented or a, you know, a colored uh, lesion on the skin. It may be a mole that's changing in terms of its shape and size. And they, that may be the earliest signs of a melanoma developing in, uh, in the skin. But we will get to that probably during the conversation that melanoma presents differently in different 
types of skin. And, and that is a very uh, important uh, uh, factor when we are dealing with melanoma. They historically used to be a view that um, the greater amount of melanin in one skin, then that equal to a reduced risk of melanoma. Is that the case? So in a way, it is true. So the incidence of melanoma is definitely higher in fair-skinned individuals. So people with a fair skin that gets a sunburn very easily. And the incidence is definitely lower in people with uh, darker skin types. But it does not mean that you cannot get melanoma if you've got a darker skin skin type or, or more melanin. And I think that's sometimes the misconception. And what is very interesting, although the incidence is much lower in darker skin types, the outcomes are typically worse because it's unexpected. People don't expect that they can get a melanoma. It's often misdiagnosed, diagnosed late, and therefore um, the prognosis is typically worse in your darker skin types when compared to patients with, with fair skin. Can we talk about just the prevalence of uh, melanoma in a country like South Africa? What are, what are we looking at in terms of the numbers? Yes. So if we are looking at incidence rates uh, in South Africa, uh, the, uh, if we look at the data from the cancer registry, it's about 2.6 per 100,000. But if you look a little closer at, at the data, you will realize that there's discrepancy between different uh, racial groups, and that reflects sort of uh, uh, skin types. So, for instance, uh, in, in uh, white South Africans, that incidence will be about 23.2 per 100,000 compared to 0.5 per 100,000 in, in black African patients. So there is definitely th that discrepancy. But saying that, um, in South Africa, about 16% of all melanomas will be in patients with skin of color. So that's why it can be an underestimated public health concern. And, and, and that's sort of why we are trying to create awareness of it and make people aware that even though you may be protected in some ways, you can still get melanoma, even if you've got a darker skin type. Mm. It, it seems to me that in terms of just being able to identify melanoma symptomatically, that that's not necessarily very easy um, because, you know, most people would have some moles, some brown spots on their skin that aren't necessarily cancerous. How do we tell the difference? What are some of the sort of ABCs that we need to know? You are quite right. So um, not every pigmented lesion on the skin will be a cancer. But as you refer to the ABCD rules, these are sort of classic uh, uh, rules that we tell patients about. So that refers to a pigmented lesion that is, first of all, asymmetric. So it's not a nice round circular lesion. It may have an irregular border. That's what the B refers to. It may have more than one color. So it's not just a brown spot, but it may be black, brown, and red. And then we talk about diameter. So once it starts to uh, become larger than about 0.6 centimeters, 
uh, it needs to get looked at. And then we also add an E to that, which, which means evolution. So that if you've got any skin lesion that is changing, because that's sort of the hallmark of cancer, it doesn't stay the same. It's something that, that grows and it, it changes. So I'll tell my patients, that's probably the most important sign. If any of your moles or a pigmented lesion shows signs of change, you want to get it looked at. But that will refer to sort of the classic melanomas that we see in sun-exposed areas. But what we need to be mindful of is that especially in our patients with pigmented skin or darker skin types, they will develop melanoma in non-exposed, non-sun-exposed areas. So that means typically the hands, the feet, uh, the nail units. So that's why our emphasis should not just be on telling people about the ABCD rules, but also about melanomas that can develop in areas where you don't expect them. So here you're talking about a pigmented uh, a spot or a nodule that develop on the palms and soles or in the nail unit. And that is something that need that you need to get look that you need to see your doctor for. When when it comes to again being able to identify sort of some some of these symptoms of of melanoma, does it always have to present in darker pigmentation? Um, so so will it always manifest through this you, you know these moles or growing pigmentation as you've described it? So no, not always. I would say in majority of cases, mm. we, you, we we will be dealing with a pigmented lesion. So something with color because the melanocytes produce pigment, but definitely not always. There's also a phenomenon uh, that we call an amelanotic melanoma. They show no pigment. They will be a pink or a red lesion. But again, it will be something that is growing and changing and that will be the sign that there's something not right so in majority of cases yes it is a black or brown spot that you're dealing with a pigmented lesion but yes there's exceptions where the melanoma may not have pigment and it will be pink or red and 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 we definitely see those as well and because they've got no pigment these amelanotic melanomas are also typically diagnosed a bit later because people don't think much of it when they first uh, you know uh, see it sure it's incredibly concerning let's talk about preventative measures before i get to some of the questions that um our listeners have for you does the risk do the risk factors around skin cancer uh, lie solely in you know what you are doing with your skin as in um, do you wear sunscreen? Are you exposed um, to the sun, UV rays? Uh, you know, what are the what are the preventative steps that that we can take? So yes, the risk factors for developing a melanoma. First of all, it is a hereditary cancer, so a family history is important. If you have somebody in the family who had melanoma, you will be at risk for developing a melanoma yourself. Um, the other risk factors, the sun and UV radiation is a major risk factor for melanoma. Uh, we know that it also relates to sun damage that we get as children or young adults. So often it is sun sunburn that you get as a child that sets you up for skin cancer later in life. So sun protection is definitely key when it comes to the prevention of melanoma. 
And that will be more than just sunscreen. Sunscreen is important, but it's not the only way that one can protect yourself from the dangerous uh, you know, UV radiation. Um, the best is to avoid direct sun exposure during the sort of hottest times of the day, uh, normally between 11 and 4 o'clock if you can. Physical cover, always better than a sunscreen. So that means a hat that can cover sort of the, the areas that's not covered with clothing, uh, long uh, sleeve shirts. You nowadays get very good UV protective clothing that people use when they swim or when they do outdoor activities. Um, so those will definitely be your first line of defense. And then areas that you can't cover up with clothing, sunscreen, an SPF, a factor of at least 50 is what we recommend. And what people don't realize is that to use sunscreen effectively, it needs to be reapplied every two hours if you are going to be out and about the whole day. And if you are sweating or swimming, of course, that washes the uh, the sunscreen off, then you need to reapply it. So sun protection is still the, the main defense that we've got against melanoma skin cancer. But then there's also factors that we at this point can't really explain. Why do people get melanoma in areas where they don't necessarily get a lot of sun exposure. As I mentioned, uh, uh, under the feet is, is, is a common area for people uh, with pigmented skin to develop a, a, a melanoma. Whether that's got to do with friction or injury or trauma, we are not at this point entirely sure, but we do know that that melanomas are triggered by something else and not necessarily sun exposure. Dr. Johan de Wett is founder of the Dermatology and Skin Cancer Institute. He'll be taking your calls on melanoma, and uh, he is a skin cancer expert, so you can ask um, other related questions on 086-000-2032. That's 086-000-2032. Get your health questions answered by experts. We're talking to Dr. Johan de Wett and we're looking at melanoma this morning. He is a skin cancer expert. Dr. de Wett, before we go to the WhatsApp questions and the phone line, I wanted to ask, you know, how much sun is too much sun? And, and I know that there'll be some parents listening to this conversation and thinking, well, you know, the job of kids is to sort of be in the sun and be playing. So uh, how do, at, at which point do we then need to say, well, you, you've played enough for today. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good question. So obviously we live in a country with great weather and we want to enjoy it. And we and most South Africans are outside, you know, in terms of their recreation and sometimes their work as well. So if you live in South Africa, you get enough sun exposure. Uh, no, no matter if you're an office worker or, you know, you get enough UV radiation to uh, for vitamin D production and all the other normal functions of the skin and the body. So I think uh, intentional tanning is what we try and discourage. So that means, you know, playing outside, running outside, cycling outside, that's excellent. But to go and lay in the sun to get a sun, to get tanned, I think that is where you want to draw the line. Because we know that is when you get overexposed and that's when you start increasing your risk. And if you are doing any of those recreational activities outside, 
uh, that is definitely not discouraged, but I think one should just manage your risk. You know, you need to take the necessary precautions if you know you are going to be outside, uh, you know, for a few hours. So, no, um, it's, I don't think one wants to discourage playing outside, but I think you just want to manage your risk while you're being exposed to the sun. All right, fantastic. Let's go to uh, some of the questions that have been sent through. This one is specifically on bleaching and skin cancer. Hello, Kati. I hope you are okay. It's about uh, skin cancer. I think the most contributed to the skin cancer is... uh, this bleaching for women what are they looking mercury is inside why not to tell them that to be black is beautiful bleaching 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 at the end we have a skin cancer that's what i want to say bleaching why not the government to stop this bleaching product everything in the lotion for women they put that one for women to become a little bit fair complexion and they say the skin is okay thank you it's often a contentious issue and controversial issue mm-hmm. um dr debate is there a link between bleaching and skin cancer Okay. So, no, there's no relation between using bleaching products and skin cancer, but it creates a lot of other dermatological problems. And there's actually a big sort of campaign in South Africa amongst dermatological organizations to try and discourage and to try and get legislation in place to try and get rid of this sort of um, black market bleaching, uh, you know, products that people, uh, you know, buy on the street or, in, uh, you know, from other sources. So although there's no link or direct link uh, the, uh, to skin cancer, we know that it creates a lot of other dermatological problems. Uh, and, and, and therefore, yeah, it's definitely not recommended. And, and I agree uh, with, with your uh, caller that, uh, that that's something that as dermatologists we don't recommend at all. You talk about what's available on the black market and as far as bleaching is concerned and there needing to be legislation mm. around that. Um, and and yet when I think about sort of the, the new trends that, that one is seeing around skin bleaching, you'll have an increased use of uh, glutathione that is sometimes used in um, the IV drips that seems to have become very popular lately. Does that count as, as 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 a market that is freely available, but that can also have its own pitfalls? So, look, um, the cosmeceutical industry is a multi-million dollar industry worldwide, and unfortunately, there will always be treatments uh, on the market, uh, you know, and, and presented to sort of you know the public out there as as as, as a solution or as an acceptable treatment. I think that, that my straight answer to that is to always consult with a skin specialist, which will be a dermatologist that will really advise you on evidence-based medicine, evidence-based techniques that can address your skin problem. But I think uh, I'll, I'll caution patients and, and the public to 
see, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, people who are not as knowledgeable about the skin and that might be pre prescribing or, you know, recommending these treatments and that can, you know, sometimes be harmful to one's health. So I think the first step is you want to make sure that when you are dealing with your skin that you see somebody who's a skin expert. Um, the, the IV infusions that you are talking about is definitely something that we are seeing. Again, uh, the evidence backing these kind of treatments are, are definitely lacking and again, not something that I would recommend. All right, we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Johan de Vett in a moment. It's 11.30. For all your medical care and needs, ask our doctors. Well, let me go straight into some of the questions then, Dr. Johan. I'll play the voice note for you and you can respond straight after. Okay. Hello, good morning, Kathy. It's Nora in Heidelberg. Please ask the doctor, is it true that it is harder to, it's usually not missed when, when uh, diagnosing uh, people with dark skin, with skin cancer? They usually don't um, diagnose it correctly because it doesn't present as prominently as it does on a whiter skin, for an example. So I just read somewhere that for darker skinned people, it is harder to diagnose these, these cancers because they're not so prominent. When you look at it, it doesn't look so prominent because the skin is dark. Is this true? That is absolutely the truth. That is one of the reasons why the outcomes of melanoma in darker skin types is worse when compared to people with, fair, with a fair complexion. So there's two elements to it. So I think the first is that uh, patient awareness. So patients are not aware that they can develop a melanoma, so they don't look out for it. And then secondly, among healthcare providers, there's also, uh, you know, maybe some uh, misconception that, that uh, people with, with darker skin types can't get melanoma, so they don't consider that uh, you know, when they are seeing a, a patient. So uh, the, the University of Stellenbosch, so where I'm affiliated, uh, have done some research into that and they are doing, uh, you know, putting more emphasis when they are training young doctors and nurses uh, to help them to recognize melanoma in darker skin types. And then, as I also mentioned, because these melanomas present in other areas where you don't expect them, Part of the sort of uh, emphasis is to look at in areas where maybe doctors will not necessarily look for melanoma, like the hands and the feet and the nails. So your caller is correct. Um, it is missed, often misdiagnosed or diagnosed late or patients present quite late because they don't expect that that's something that will happen to them. Uh, good day, good day, my sister uh, with the uh, doctor. Can I check my uh, every time whenever after shaving my chin, uh, my skin will have uh, plenty of pimples. More especially when I will use uh, a machine for electricity. Uh, so can, I, can the doctor recommend something that, uh, what is it that I must use for shaving, uh, more especially my chin or after shaving, what is it that I must uh, put in my skin? Thank you, it's terrible here in Northwest. Hi, yes, so yeah, well, that, although that's definitely not uh, cancer that you're referring to, it, it's most often uh, relating to ingrown hairs. So, um, 
it, it's a very common problem amongst men. And what happens is when you shave, when the little hair shaft grows out, it curves and it grows back into the skin. And that's sort of what causes the pimple, the infection and the inflammation. Our recommendation will often be that uh, if you are struggling with that is to let the beard grow a little so that you don't have that sort of uh, issue of new hairs growing out, growing into the skin. Um, when you are dealing with the effects of that, like, you know, the little pimples, as you refer to, uh, antibacterial washes can help for that. Warm cloths just to soften those areas so the hair can actually start breaking through the skin. And, uh, and, and yes, that, that is a common problem relating to shaving in men. And I would recommend maybe just let the beard grow a little bit and, uh, and, and that should solve the problem. All right, let me go to Zwagai, who's calling us from Bloom. Good morning. Morning, how are you, Chessie and um, Doctor? Well, thank you. Go for it. I'm fine, Doctor. I just wanted to know, I'm not sure if it might be melanoma, but you said that I, when I hear you say that there, there are sometimes something like a blister or something, but mine is those small pimples, but at the back of the head. When I went to the dermatologist, they saw it, it's a fungal something. I was given medication, but it never went away, but it's not itchy. And the second one is the discoloration on my cheek. I never got it to, to, to take it to the dermatologist to check because it happened, it happened around 2006. And then after I got pregnant and had a baby, it became worse because it went, it, it was on one cheek. It went to the second cheek. Now it's going to the nose. But it's just the discoloration on the face. So I'm not sure if I might get it checked at the dermatologist or what. Yeah, thank you for that question. Uh, what you're describing on your face is a sort of hyperpigmentation or melasma is the medical term for that. Very common um, uh, in females. And it can, as you rightly say, uh, often relate to uh, hormonal changes, so somebody being pregnant or being on a birth control, combining that with sun exposure can cause sort of uh, uh, pigmented patches on the skin, typically the face. So that in itself is normally not a, a concern, um, but definitely worthwhile to get checked out. The dermatologist will very easily tell you whether that is the, the diagnosis or not, and then there is certain treatments that they can can recommend. But what you described sounds like melasma to me and not necessarily a skin cancer. Uh, with regards to the uh, lesions on the scalp, again, that sounds more like a hair follicle concern, uh, so folliculitis, inflammation in the hair follicle that cause those problems and typically not the way skin cancer will present. Normally skin cancer will be a solitary lesion, meaning one spot, one area uh, growing, changing, uh, you know, potentially, uh, uh, you know, bleeding. Um, so no, again, worthwhile to get it looked at, but, but what you're describing doesn't sound like, like a skin cancer to me, but I think always worthwhile for somebody to physically look at it, examine it and give you a proper diagnosis. All right. It's okay. Thank you so much for calling in. I hope that helps. Sandile in Peter Maritzburg. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, thank you, Sandile. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I would like to ask the doctor. Uh, my granny, I think in 2014, she was diagnosed with skin cancer. And then she, they had to do a plastic surgery 
around the place that was uh, already damaged. Now, my question would be, does skin cancer uh, have the potential of uh, causing can- different cancers to uh, emerge? Because at, at this current point, she has a problem with her breast. Yes, so um, to answer the question, no, typically there's no relation between skin cancer and other types of cancer like breast cancer or prostate cancer, for instance. So the two are sort of separate cancers developing in different cells in different parts of the body. So it doesn't mean because you've had a skin cancer that you are now at more risk to develop, uh, you know, another type of cancer. So it, it, it is unrelated. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm not sure what type type of skin cancer uh, it was, but it will not relate to the breast cancer. These are two separate cancers, and uh, and the one doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean uh, it will put you at risk to develop the other. No, not at all. Thank you. All right. All right, Sandy. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for that question. Hey. All right. More voice notes for you, Doctor. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Zanoli Masia. Kevin, uh, I would like to do a small contribution. Kathy, in relation to the topic on skin cancer today, uh, may the doctor highlight the, the, the side effects of constant uh, makeups that women does on a daily basis. Kathy, I've noticed especially working women, uh, they do makeup on a daily basis. You find someone is completely buried in makeup on a daily basis. Aren't these chemicals dangerous, Kathy? Can the doctor highlight what's the effect of continuous use of makeups and different chemicals on the skin on a daily basis? Thank you, Kathy. Goodbye. You know, I, I'm sorry before you go before you go ahead there, Doctor David. I'm listening to yes. some of the comments and questions by our listeners, and I thought I'm just thinking to myself, why is it that women are at the heart of this? I mean, prevalence-wise, yeah. um, you know, is there a, a, you know a, a slant when it comes to uh, skin cancer, when it comes to melanoma in particular, and women? No, actually, men are more at risk uh, uh, to, to develop melanoma. Um, so no, this it's not a there's not really a big uh, a gender element. Um, but what I think the gentleman refers to is, uh, yeah, what is the the, the the potential side effects of of cosmetic products? There's there's currently no relation between skin cancer and cosmetic uh, products such as makeup and and all other things people apply. But as I already mentioned, it can cause a lot of other dermatological problems. So we see a lot of allergic contact dermatitis, irritant contact dermatitis, uh, that, that people react to some of these sort of ingredients in cosmeceuticals. But there's no proof that as such they lead to skin cancer. Um, so th- there's no direct relation. But uh, I agree that uh, we, that a big part of dermatologists' uh, uh, work will uh, evolve around skin conditions that's caused by things that people apply to their faces. So uh, being that makeup or bleaching agents or, or other sorts of com- cosmeceuticals, uh, but not cancer. No, at this point, there's no evidence to suggest that these products cause skin cancer. All right. I've got a question here from Lucky Durban who says, um, he's asking whether 
vitiligo becomes cancerous. Uh, and he says his son was prescribed, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, uh, betamethasone to cure eczema. Yes. And he's developing pigmentation in the neck and on the chest. And ask, and like he's asking if uh, they have to be worried. Yeah. So no, vitiligo cannot develop into skin cancer. But where the concern may come in is if you have vitiligo, there's no melanocyte, there's no pigment, and therefore that skin is not protected at all. So, so you'll be more susceptible to UV radiation damage. So you'll definitely need to be careful in, in vitiligo skin. Uh, sun protection will be very, very important. Um, the, 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 the topical medication that was prescribed for the vitiligo uh, is, is a topical steroid. That's typically what is used for vitiligo. Again, no relation that that can cause uh, any problems or any skin cancer. But there is an interesting relation between vitiligo and melanoma. And it, it relates more to elderly patients who's never had vitiligo in their lives, and now all of a sudden they develop vitiligo. In those patients, we always do a complete head-to-toe skin examination because there is a phenomenon where patients develop a melanoma. The body's immune system is trying to attack that melanoma, and it also now attacks other melanocytes in other parts of the body, and you develop patches of vitiligo. So I, I'm not now referring to young people and children getting vitiligo. That's very, very common, and, and, and that is not relating to cancer. But we, we, we as dermatologists are, not, are just mindful. If we see somebody who's never had vitiligo, and now all of a sudden they develop it, we, we just do a full-body skin examination to make sure that there's now not a melanoma that developed somewhere. All right, Dr. Johan de Vett, we're going to have to leave it there. We're completely out of time for this okay. conversation. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your uh, knowledge and your expert advice with us. No, you're very welcome. Well, thanks for having me and yeah, have a good rest of your day. All right, Dr. Johan de Vett is founder of the Dermatology and Skin Cancer Institute. That conversation brings us to a close on The Talking Point. We're back with you again tomorrow morning. Up next is the book reading and of course the update at noon takes over from midday.